Hello, hello, gargoyles, gremlins, trolls, and elves. Another episode of the podcast is coming to you now. On this episode of the show, I have Kelsey Heenan. She is at The Daily Kelsey on the gram and i've actually been following her for quite a long time she um, not only is just sort of prolific in her content she's also the co-founder of hit max and hit burn she is one bad mf uh yeah, i don't really know what else to say about about this lady um she's a beast uh she is a massive fitness influencer and does a really good job just sort of talking about diet and balance and things and we got into a lot of that during the show i had a ton of questions for her of course i'm a bit of a health and fitness nut and i really enjoyed her perspective and i think you will too so without any more of me talking about it let's get into it please welcome kelsey heenan What is good? How are we doing, Kelsey? I'm doing great. Very good. Happy to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. It's great You're to be here. In town. We were talking about living in Scottsdale, Arizona. I feel like that's just a foreign place compared to LA. It really is. It's great in so many ways, but just very different. <laughs> yeah. It's like a foreign country. It's weird. The US is is kind of like that. And you grew up where? In Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. And so, you know, uh, Midwest's own Minnesota Nebraska combo here and it's like, it's it's almost like it's a different country that just speaks the same language. It's so true. Every part of the U.S. is so diverse. So, yeah, yeah it's cool. that's awesome. And you're out here doing what? Recording some content. Um, for those of you that are listening that don't know, Kelsey's one of the most prolific Instagram fitness <laughs> humans that you could ever follow. That's very generous. Um, it's it's true, right? Like, like the amount of... I'm, was so impressed by the amount of content and then also the quality of content that that you put out on such a regular and consistent basis it's like super impressive thank you yeah and what kind of things you know when you're thinking about content and that whole world you know is this something that you're whiteboarding and planning out is this something that you're kind of um you know just going on the fly a bit of both how do you think about that stuff it's a great question a little bit of both and it depends on what it's for so i have a few different channels and they all all have slightly different purposes so I have two fitness channels. One is called Hitburn and one is called Hitmax. And it's the same company, but just two different social media channels that lead to the same stuff. And for Hitburn, it's a lot of exercise ideas. So um, I, I program different workouts all the time for our app. And so a lot of the different posts are basically ideas to get people just moving. They're not always full workouts, but it's like, okay, here are great combinations to be able to get moving or different variations of a certain exercise. And so it's all just educational, all trying to help people to be able to move more often and then eventually hopefully become a part of our community. Wow. And how did you get started in all of that, right? I mean, everybody sort of gets to fitness in, in their own way. What was that route for you? Yeah. So I grew up as an athlete and I played basketball. And so athletics and fitness has always been a huge part of my life. And throughout my college experience, I had a few things happen that really made me understand, okay, I need to be able to uh, have balance in life. And so those things really led me to the point where I'm like, okay, I want to be able to help people become healthy and fit, but in the balanced way. And my my husband and I were both trainers and wanted to be able to move online. And so at that point we were like, okay, let's let's make this happen. Oh, wow. That's interesting. And so it, it sort of stemmed from having an athletic background, of course, and then you were doing personal training and I was like, hey, why don't we also do this on the internet? Yeah. So I was actually a, a social worker. I, I did social work in college or I, tr I studied to be a social worker. And so I was working at a school district in Minneapolis at the time. And so, yeah, it was really different. And I knew that I wanted to be able to help people. And so fitness was still a huge part of my life. But when I was in college, before I graduated and started um, doing that kind of work, I developed an eating disorder and it became really bad very quickly. And so it got to the point where I needed to quit basketball and I couldn't do anything and I had to go into treatment. And it was a really, really scary time. And through that, I you know went to treatment and went through a healing process. And after that, I really realized, okay, fitness and being a healthy person and eating well is important. It's very different than something like a drug addiction. You don't necessarily need drugs to survive. So, but everyone needs to eat. So it's like when you're overcoming disordered behaviors and thoughts, you have to figure out, okay, what's this balance here where I want to be a healthy person, but 
it got so bad so quickly where I had so many rules and disordered habits in place that I, I couldn't function. So after that healing process, I knew that I needed to be a voice for people to create a balanced life where it's you have you, you can make healthy choices, but then also have balance and enjoy a donut periodically and move often. But you don't have to have hashtag no days off. I mean, you can there are so many different ways that you can create that balance. And so that's the voice that I wanted to bring. And so Dennis was a personal trainer. Dennis is my husband. Uh, he was a personal trainer at the time and wanted to move into the online space. And I knew that I wanted to start teaching the things that I really wanted to be about. And so uh, we made it a goal for me to join him. He went online in 2013 and we made it a goal for me to join him in 2014. And we weren't making a ton of money at the time, but we're like, let's do this. Let's make it work. And we we did. We, we traveled the world for a little bit on a very tight budget, but it was worth every second. I wouldn't trade anything because we learned so much about ourselves and about the online space. And it really just helped shape who we are and our voice as a company and just has been a really awesome journey. Wow. There's so much to unpack yeah. there. Wow. <laughs> so, so starting with sort of the disordered eating, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, uh, this primarily happens to girls in the U S at least. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a concerning thing. And of course I don't have kids. And you know, if I had a, a daughter that was thinking in that way, it's, it's kind of a scary thing. And I'm sure some people listening out there probably do, or have gone through something similar. What do you think the root cause of that is? Is it just sort of, you know, a self-esteem thing that's fueled by cultural implications and pressures or, you know, how, how does that happen? Um, with, and of course, it's a very big, broad generalization, right? Totally. Um, but how, how, how does that happen? There are, there are lots of ways. And for me personally, it was the perfect storm of a lot of different things all at once. So there are definitely environmental things, cultural things, society, and those types of expectations that are just in the media of women. But this is also something that is a huge problem for men too. It's just not talked about that often. And so there are so many men and and boys and teens who struggle with disordered eating, disordered exercise habits, but it's just not talked about that much. So there's kind of stigma around it, but it does affect everybody. Uh, But more more girls and women um, are affected by it. but anyway, um, how it starts. For me, it was just a perfect storm of environment, lots of stress, lots of pressure. I, For me, I just wanted to be a better athlete. And so for me, I was like, if I'm not getting the playing time that I want on the court, I'm gonna become healthier, I'm gonna become more fit, I'm gonna eat better and all, you know, in air quotes, because I the things that I put in place weren't healthy habits, they were very restrictive. Um, but there are lots of different causes. Part of it could be genetic predisposition. There's a lot of research that's going on right now around that. And then, you know, triggered by the environment. There's a lot of different ways that it can happen. Wow. That's that that's incredible. Well, you know, I think that at least your story is one of those that it's like, hey, you know, y- you don't have to continue to live like that. Right. Yeah. yeah there, there is that balance out there somewhere. There really is. And for me, it was I, I needed professional medical treatment to be able to get to a point where I was medically stable. And then thereafter continued therapy and counseling and, and hard work to be able to work through a lot of those thoughts and behaviors. And that's the space that I love to live in right now with my personal brand and the work that I do on my personal brand, uh, the daily Kelsey is helping people in their relationship with food and exercise because even the work that I do with Hipburn and HitMax with my fitness brands are the X's and O's. Here's how you, you know, here's a great workout plan for you. Here's a meal plan that can help you be able to reach your results. But the mindset piece isn't talked about that often. And it's a huge piece of being able to implement healthy habits. And so that's what I love to do in my personal work is helping people make peace with food, helping people understand you don't have to have rigid rules and you can still get results. You can enjoy going out to happy hour with friends and you don't have to restrict things. Um, So that's a that's a huge thing that a lot of people need and not just people with eating disorders. I would say the majority of people have have or have had a disordered relationship with food or their body um, at some point in their lives. Right. Yeah, I think you're you're correct. And you actually said something that resonated with me and that sometimes they have disordered exercise routines mm. and that is true that it does happen right like that's that seven days on yes. no days off you know um just rice and chicken and broccoli totally. <laughs> eight meals a day type and of that's thing. so many people struggle with that yeah. and it's not you know maybe it's not a clinical eating disorder but so many people think that they have to have these things in place otherwise they are failing 
Sure, sure. And so, you know, that's how I sort of came upon your content at first mm-hmm. was through the da- Daily Kelsey. And, and there, was, there wasn't a lot of mindset stuff built into that, which yeah. I thought was very unique. And so when I was watching you talk about this stuff, I'm like, oh, she's being much more thoughtful with who she's talking to in the platform than I typically see with like your stereotypical out of the box like hey we're doing fitness stuff sure. thing and so now it all makes sense it's all coming together it all makes sense <laughs> <laughs> and so you guys started you said 2013 going digital with the training is that right yes so that's, that's when like, Dennis started right so Dennis started in 2013 that is like so early in the market it right it is yeah and so you know when you look at what where you guys are at now with the two fitness brands and, and your, your personal one and everything else it's easy for people to think like, oh, well, you know, you just start working out on Instagram one day and then uh, that's it. Right. <laughs> and you've it's been funny. It for a long time. Instagram wasn't a piece of our business at all until a couple of years ago. We right. were all Facebook. We were all email. We started off in affiliate marketing, affiliate email marketing. So we would create an ebook and then we would ask our fitness friends online. Hey, will you mail out to our product? We'll mail out to your product. And it was kind of a, a trade thing for affiliate commissions. And that's how we started. And we did that for a couple of years before we got into Facebook marketing. And then after that was Instagram in probably 2015. Wow. And when you were on Facebook back in the day, it was yeah. this like when you were living in the day of 100% organic reach yes. and you could just talk to everybody without paying and that, oh, whole, yeah. that whole era? For sure. We, <laughs> we definitely started, I mean, organic reach. It was It's completely different now. But we, we did figure out some different funnels just by testing things on our Facebook page organically. We Basically, our Facebook page was a huge organic test, just see, seeing what resonates with people, what's engaging. And then if something gets a lot of clicks or... Uh, yeah, a good click-through rate or whatever, then we'll say, okay, this could be a good ad, and then we'll test that and then make funnels based on that. Well, that's very smart. And are there certain things that, you know, you think of in, in sort of this information space? Is it, you know, you're, you're looking at lead gen, you're looking at, you know, using Facebook as a testing ground. Like, what are the two or three things that, that you found that maybe you didn't know or you hypothesized that you would know, but you found out were like, oh, these things actually work and provide value? Um, gosh, there's so many things. We, we've tried so much along the way. I mean, Dennis and I have created probably 100 ebooks over the, the sure. day, just testing different... 100 co- ebooks. Yes. Dude, that's I mean, insane. early on, it was create something, throw it out there, test it, see what people like. And, and that's really a huge thing that has shaped who we are as a company because we were so adaptable and we were able to make quick decisions, fail fast, and move forward. So the, the whole idea of Facebook has been really great for us to be able to learn how to test things quickly and then move forward. Right, right. Facebook. The Facebooky. Yeah. It's one of those weird things like out of nowhere. You know, you had MySpace, I think we're the same age ish. Yeah. Um and you had MySpace coming out when we're, you know, teenagers and and then all of a sudden Facebook comes around and it, it looked at first a little bit worse. It was yeah. like kind of stale and corporate-y, but all the while in the back end, Zux is back there just juicing up some <laughs> crazy back end ad platform that no one ever saw coming. And in, a, in the strangest way, also enabled people like you to put organic content out, see what actually resonates with people, and then make better products and services as a result. Yes. I got to imagine that that whole Facebook engine of enabling things like that is just sort of produced products that maybe wouldn't even been produced. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's been a huge piece of our overall business and allowed us to really create so much because of what we learned through that data. Right. And so now I have to ask you about all this workout and exercise stuff because sure. of course I'm a exercise fitness freak as well and I've <laughs> gone through the disordered sort of, you know, training camp style sure. things in the past. Um, but, you know, everybody has a different theory on eating and exercise and and all these different things. And so what do you think about when you're putting fuel into your body? You know, is it just generally clean food? Are you counting macros? You know, are you trying to get a certain amount of green leafy vegetables or lean meats or are you going more keto? Do you mix it up? Like, how do you think about all that? Yeah. So overall, my, my philosophy now, everything leads back to intuitive eating. And that for me, really means learning what your body needs. So that's a mix of how does this food fuel my body? What is the difference between a protein, a carb, and a fat? And how do those fuel my body so that I can make mindful choices so that my body runs efficiently and that I feel great? And then also the other side of it, 
how do I honor my preferences, the things that I actually enjoy eating and be able to enjoy food as a, a part of culture and be able to go out and enjoy pizza with friends, you know, being able to honor all of those aspects because they can all coexist. So it all comes back to this umbrella of learning to eat intuitively. And a lot of times when people think of intuitive eating, if they don't know a ton about it is, well, if I eat intuitively, I would just eat donuts all day long. And to them, I say, try it. Absolutely, go for it because after a while, it's gonna lose its luster. Donuts aren't gonna be this like magical thing that, you know, because it, for now it feels forbidden and off limits. But if you were to just give yourself ultimate permission, you would realize if all you ate was donuts, you'd feel like crap all the time. So, so that's a piece of it, right? Is understanding, okay, I, I understand that I feel better when I eat these types of foods. And so um, I have a few different strategies in, in the HIPR and HIPMAC side that we teach to help people understand how these foods fuel their body. And it's some very flexible carb cycling by understanding, okay, I can reach this goal if I have you know, certain days where I eat lower amounts of carbs and certain days where I refuel if I have a tough workout, adding in more carbs after that. Um, and then some very flexible intermittent fasting. I, I don't think that everyone should be on the strict 16 hour fast, eight hour eating window. I think that intermittent fasting is a very powerful thing to understand, to listen to your hunger and fullness cues. Because if people really allowed themselves to do that, they would be able to be fueled so much better. Their metabolism would work so much more efficiently if they just gave themselves that permission and really learned what it meant to feel hunger and fullness. Interesting. So yeah, intermittent fasting is an interesting thing because I mean, I've been doing it for a really long time and at varying different hour increments. What sort of would you say are those parameters? Like what's, what's the minimum amount of intermittent fasting that also still counts? Yeah. So really, I mean, there's, there's probably lots of research out there and lots of different opinions on this, but the way that I implement it really is for women, I suggest between 10 and 14 hours, a very moderate fast, because if women fast for too long, it can impact hormones and things like that, because sometimes women don't eat enough during an eating window to keep their metabolism revved up. So between 10 and 14 hours, I typically recommend for women and between 10 and 16 hours for men. So again, this, there's not harsh lines in anything that I suggest. It's really using it as a tool to understand what your body needs. And some days, maybe it's closer to 10 hours. Some days, maybe it's closer to 16. Maybe you had pizza super late at night and you're just not super hungry in the morning. So that's the way that I implement it. It's very flexible and it's just a different approach than a lot of people take to it. Interesting. Do you believe in cheat meals? I believe in having flexibility. Yeah. So I figured that's what you'd say. Yes. Yeah. So, so a lot of people feel this might be semantics, but I don't like to use the word cheat meal or yep. cheat day. <laughs> That's because, why I asked. Yeah, because when you say that, it, it does something mentally. It, mm. it attaches a morality to eating food and that if you eat something that's off your meal plan, that it's cheating, that it's bad and that you are bad because you ate it. Right. So I like to say, have some flexible meals and have some flexible days where you just enjoy any food that you want because it sounds like semantics, but really there is a morality that is attached to it and the psychology of it goes so much deeper than a lot of people think. Right, right. That is interesting. The the concept of, oh, I'm cheating on my diet. Ooh, dirty cheating on the diet. Totally. It turns it into this weird taboo thing. Yeah. Almost like, yeah, yeah, you're feeling bad about it in some subliminal way level if if nothing else totally and then i think also it it causes people to go into this state of this is my cheat day or this is my cheat meal this Mm. is the last time i'm ever going to be able to eat these foods and then that's when they go overboard and that's when people kind of backtrack in their results because they are going way overboard on things and eating way over their hunger satisfaction they're eating you know pizza and the tacos and the waffles and the pancakes when it's like if you were to just really listen to what your body needed and know I can have these pancakes now. I could also, I could have them later today if I wanted to, or I could have them tomorrow. (laughs) It's just giving yourself this eternal permission and then that allows you to make mindful choices because you're not attaching morality to it and you're not uh, swearing it off forever, which just leads to cycles of binging. Right, that's actually an interesting thing. So, you know, your whole theory on on all of this is sort of, getting in tune with your body before making the next decision either health you know uh, fitness or eating yes right it's like once you once you can get in tune with your body then that will allow that unlock to occur is, is sort of the theme which i think is interesting because a lot of people don't 
do that, right? They're like, no, man, you got to get in there and do CrossFit. Or, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, no, you need to run marathons. Yeah. and Or you got to beat the keto diet only or yeah. the, this or that. And that is an interesting thing. It's like, oh, no, I think it's a little more complicated. It's much more nuanced than that. Everything is nuanced. And I, I think that if, sure, there are a lot of diets that can work. Absolutely. But I think that a lot of people... Uh, get into these, this is the only thing that works and this is the only thing that's going to work for me. But it's like, but what if your body needs some carbs or what if you want to eat those tacos and you're going to be out of ketosis and then it takes a long time to get back into ketosis and you probably should be measuring it because a lot of people who think that they're eating keto really aren't. Nope. You know, so it's just, there's so much nuance and so many things that can work and I think that people think that it has to be strict and it has to be rigid or it won't work yeah. but really if, if we just took a little time to understand our bodies are stinking smart, you know, and if we just learned how to listen to them and had some basic education about how different foods fuel our body, we can be mindful about the choices of foods that we eat and also honor our preferences. What is the worst diet you've ever tried in your entire life? Oh my gosh. It was just like, oh, I've, and then it just, pff, terrible. So counting macros was pretty detrimental to my overall health. Oh, it was, it was, you know, it's something that feels very tangible for people. And I, completely understand the the logic behind it in understanding okay if i have this goal i eat these foods xyz done for me it's really what spiraled me into my eating disorder mm. is is having to be so obsessed about the specific amounts and then it just really spiraled very quickly and so i would say that is by far the worst because i and i've worked with so many people throughout these years and so many people who maybe even don't have a diagnosed eating disorder really struggle with the mindset because of that and trying to break that into a more flexible approach is really challenging when you are calculating in your head and when you're out to eat trying to look at your portion sizes or if you're out to eat and it's like oh how much you know sugar is in this glaze you know I I don't know and it just becomes this thing where you can't enjoy food anymore right. because you become so obsessed with it interesting counting macros yeah it does make sense too because it's such an easy number to modulate too yes. it's like oh I just you know reduce this by 10 10 yes. you know carbs or whatever and that's the thing that's why it's 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 hard because it feels so tangible for people and a lot of times people just Tell me what to do. Just yeah. tell me what is right for me. And I want it to be catered to my body to be able to reach this goal. And so that is something that feels very tangible. And, you know, the whole flexible dieting movement is, well, we, you can be flexible because if you if it fits in your macros, you can eat that Pop-Tart or you can eat that pizza and it's no big deal. Right. But in practice, it becomes a lot more complicated than that mentally. Sure. And would you say that, you know, that is true. The flexible diet thing is true so long as you are also doing some sort of physical fitness. Um, I think it's, it all works together. I think yeah. that you, I mean, sure. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. Right? It, it, I think that's important for everything, but yeah. I, I think that, um, yeah, it's just, they all need to coexist. Yeah. Yeah. They all have to coexist. It's, it's so fascinating. The counting of the macros. Do you think that that stems from sort of this, I don't know, at least from from my perspective, and I think a lot of uh, young men at least, you know, you see sort of these fitness gurus, at least for, for guys out there, and it's maybe a little bit different for, for females, I don't know, but it's definitely always had this chains and veins, like bodybuilding, weirdness, fitness competition, get shredded and dehydrate yeah. your body and like juice up with some roids and like this, this sort of very weird culture of dudes wearing tiny bikinis on a stage and oiling each other up. Like it's just, a, for me, very yes. weird thing. But... It, it, but but I've also watched bodybuilders and, and things that whole that whole sort of world on YouTube because they're giving a lot of advice of, of advice about you know how to do bicep curls or whatever it is and if yeah. you're a 14 year old boy you know you're watching this and you're like oh yeah that's what I got to do and mm -hmm. uh, do you do you feel like at least it used to be and I think it's getting away from that now that kind of you know chains and veins bodybuilding culture has sort of bred that counting of the macros and bred that sort of body dysmorphia perception at least from my perspective i see that it, it definitely had some interesting influences absolutely i i do think that that has had a huge influence on that whole idea and concept and movement because i know so many people who have competed and had really have really struggled with their relationship with food yeah. and exercise afterwards and 
how it's really messed up their hormones and really have struggled for a lot of years because of that. And I'm not saying that competing is a terrible thing and that it's not right for some people. It's a sport. But I think that 99% of people can't separate that it's a sport from using it as a tool to try and look how they want to look. If someone is doing it for a sport and can detach that mental aspect of it, that's one thing. But I don't think most people can do that. And I think most people get into competing because they want to look super ripped and veiny or get the dream body. And it's like, that's that's not going to be the best approach for you to do that. Right. That's actually interesting because you know, if you consider bodybuilding a sport, you know, it's one of the sports where you're actually making yourself the most unhealthy and fragile humanly possible yeah. before competing. Yes. And whereas in other sports, you can't do that, right? So if, if you're fighting, you have to go through a training camp and you have to rehydrate and make sure that your body is equipped to go 25 minutes punching another dude in the face and defending chokes and things. Same thing as basketball and everything else. Like yeah. you couldn't be completely dehydrated and frail or at least you wouldn't want to do that. Right. Whereas in bodybuilding, you you do do that. And you have to. You have to, to. to be able to be relevant. Right. Right. That's so fascinating. Yeah. I never thought of it like that. It's one of the very few sports that's sort of inversed in the way that you mm-hmm. prepare for the actual competition yeah, itself. Well, and it's hard too, because in the end it's very subjective. It comes down to what the judges opinions about your bodies are. Right. And for me, I mean, I would never want to do that for so many reasons, but also the last thing that I'd ever want to do is get on a stage just so people can judge me. Yeah. You know I mean? like, me too. <laughs> it just doesn't sound fun to me, but to no. each their own. But I, I do I think friends that, that do it too, you know, yeah. all good, but man, I couldn't do it. Yeah. You just have to be able to separate like, am I doing this for sport or am I doing this? Like, am I just trying to look a certain way? Because you should take a very different approach if you're just trying to look a certain way. Right. And so those people, they have a very sort of standardized workout that they follow, right? I mean, you know, you always hear the old bicep curl jokes and things, <laughs> which isn't so far from the truth, sure, to be sure. honest, of course. Um, shout out to all you guys and gals out there doing bicep curls <laughs> listen to this right now. Um, but what's your sort of personal theory on uh, the type of workouts that, that you do? Um, you know, how do you think about putting those together? You know, whether it's weight training or whether it's hard cardio, if it's hit, if it's how do you how do you think about those things? Yeah. So for my fitness brand, I write a lot of hit workouts. So the, the population that we serve is a lot of people who don't have a ton of time to go to the gym. Maybe they can't afford a personal trainer or don't want a personal trainer and just want to get something in quick at home. Maybe they have three kids running around and have 20 minutes while nap time happens or they are a CEO and don't have time to you know do work or before they go to work. So I do a lot of like 20, 30 minute hit workouts and program a lot of those for our people. And that's something that's really effective to be able to build strength and also burn body fat at the same time. So interval training is a huge piece of the the business that we do. And then also uh, strength training. So I love resistance training for, for my personal uh, types of workouts. I love to do, you know, 30 to 40 minutes of weightlifting and then I do a quick hit finisher at the end. And that's the way that I like to train. And would you recommend doing sort of the hit finisher or the cardio after you're lifting weights? Yes, I do. I, I think it's really important to have the most strength possible to be able to get the most out of your lifts and then burn at the end with, right. a, with a quick hit or, you know, something like that. That's interesting. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of people make this mistake and I've made this mistake in the past where, you know, you go and uh, you train martial arts first and then you go lift, which is oh gosh. terrible idea because <laughs> doing mixed martial arts, whether you're sparring or even hitting mitts or, or rolling, that is so exhausting. And oh, you know, try to lift 300 pounds on a bench press. And yeah. Possibly. You're just not going to get the most out of it. And then right. also like risk of injury as well. Sure. Sure. Have you had a lot of injuries? Thankfully, no, knock on wood. Shout but, out to no injuries. <laughs> yeah, wow. so when I was playing basketball, I had a lot of ankle stuff. So uh, a lot of ankle sprains, ligament tears, things like that. But beyond that, no. That's good. Yeah, yeah my ankles um, got destroyed playing basketball, oh. too. It's, I don't know why, but they just like to roll. Yeah, so you do mine. Yeah, they do. They just do it. I always <laughs> wore ankle braces and yet still It's still struggled. a roll. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it? Um how different is it training for something like basketball or a sport than it is sort of training to be your, your best version of yourself living sort of a healthy and balanced life and, and running this business that you have, these couple of businesses that you have? Uh, what, what was the difference um, between those two things when you made that transition? Yeah, so it, I, the training is completely different for a sport like basketball. Well, in a sense, I mean, there was you have to play all the time, you know, sprinting, that kind of stuff. Um, but the way that I was training was when I was sick um, and I would just 
go for extra long runs and be in the, the weight room for two hours doing gazillions of reps with super lightweight, things like that. So mm. I just wasn't training the way that a basketball player should train when I was actually playing. <laughs> um, and then, all, but even, even now, like I would be such a different basketball player if I knew what I knew now about nutrition and exercise, because uh, you know, weight training is super important for both general life and for basketball. So uh, that would be consistent among that. And then interval training would help with my cardio and endurance for basketball. And so I would basically probably just do a lot more playing than I'm doing now. So right now I'm still lifting. I'm still doing my interval training, but if I were still playing, I would just add in more five and five, three on three. Yeah. Get some of that skill yeah. work and play some horse. <laughs> yes. Um, especially horse. Especially horse. Yeah. <laughs> Was or, or 21. Um, yeah. It's interesting too. Like, you, you mentioned going into the gym and lifting weights for two hours. Mm-hmm. And I feel that a lot of people that are at least new to health and fitness or they're trying to get into it, they have this perception that, you know, oh, I need to get in there and do three hours of weights or yes. I'm not going to be able to get anything. Um, but then oftentimes what I see is that that just sort of leads to like, you know, you do a lift and then you're just sitting there for like 30 minutes on your phone hanging yes. out. Yeah. yeah. Well, how long do you think a typical weight session should be? Is that... 30 minutes, 60 minutes. What's the maximum? That, yeah. yeah. I mean, it depends on goals, but I more isn't always better. Right. So definitely around an hour is plenty. And, <laughs> and if you're efficient, you can do it in 30 or 40 minutes. Right. Right. And that's kind of where hit comes in too, right? Mm-hmm. These interval training, these high intensity intervals. Um, and I think maybe for a lot of people who are listening to this, like intervals, you're, you're basically going extremely hard for a small period of time and then a short rest period and then really hard and then a short rest period. And it makes you get through a workout really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but it may sound kind of scary for some people. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to those people that are, you know, oh man, hit just sounds too extreme. Yeah. So what's cool about it is it can be scaled to any fitness level. So the people that we work with are of all fitness levels. We have brand new beginners who haven't really trained ever before. And so it's all about mixing in exercises that are at your fitness level. And then what's cool about it is it's time-based. So you can go at your own speed. So what's challenging for you might be way harder for me, you know, something like that. So you can really cater it to a person's fitness level based on the types of exercises that you choose and then the pace that they go at. Interesting. And so it's it's much more of a personalized thing, right? And that's important to know too, right? Like, you know, a high intensity interval training for someone who's a professional athlete is fundamentally different than somebody who's just now starting out, right? Yes, absolutely. It's all about how hard you push yourself. Yeah. And what do you, what do you find to be like the most difficult hurdle to get over when you're trying to get people into fitness you know I I hear a lot of things like it's just gonna be too hard or you know sometimes very intellectual people will be like oh it's you know just to look jacked or good or it's all aesthetics and you know of course it's not about that um and there's a litany of different sorts of reasons oh why do I need to do that you know I'm healthy I get my blood checked Mm -hmm. you know I'm this or that what kind of excuses do you find in in that realm i'm sure you see and hear a lot more than i do (laughs) yeah yeah so it's a variety but uh a lot of the things that i hear are i i don't have time um yeah i'm just too busy that's a huge one Mm -hmm. and and then you know the response is well this workout only takes you 20 30 minutes and they will say is that even worth it am i even going to get anything out of a 20 to 30 minute workout and when when people just aren't used to this style of training and so that's a that's a big thing for sure um another one is i've tried so many different things i've you know work out consistently all the time i'm just not seeing the results that i want and like well then maybe you're not doing the right workouts for whatever goal you have maybe so right. those types of things are common. Yeah, they're in there doing bicep curls. Yeah. Trying to slim their waist. Or, or it's like they, they want to have, you know, more muscle tone and have more, you know, like more de- defined arms or a bigger butt, something like that. But all, all they're doing is like Pilates or a spin class. Mm-hmm. And it's like those aren't bad things. But if your goal is to put on muscle, those aren't the types of workouts that are going to help you get there. Right, right. Yeah, I feel like it's it's somewhat intuitive, at least to me, and it probably and obviously much more uh, even so with, with you, like, oh, this type of workout yields this kind of result. Yeah. But I think that it's it's not actually that common of knowledge yeah. with a lot of people. Like they actually don't know that. You know, they mm-hmm. oh well, you know, they see somebody who is jacked doing spin class and they're like, oh well maybe that's what that does. 
Right, right. Or (laughs) just kind of the the common misconception that you have to do X amount of long, slow cardio to be able to to burn fat. And it's like, yes, that definitely can help you do that. But there are also other ways that are faster and can help you get results more quickly, um, like interval training. So there's both are great. They're fine. But like it just depends on what you want to spend your time doing and what your goals are. Right. Do you do any super endurance like slow long cardio stuff no i i I don't yeah i i i mean i'll go for a walk or a hike um but i have a little wiener dog so she doesn't last very long on those so (laughs) throw her in the front pack yeah Yeah. for real uh so so that type of stuff but no i don't actively go running or um do spin or anything yeah i think that's another misconception too is like at least a lot of what I see is, oh, you know, you have to go be able to run five miles or 10 miles to, mm-hmm. you know, lose fat or to get abs or, or whatever. And actually, no. Right. Like, right. I, I mean, I don't I can't even tell you the last time that I ran five miles. Me neither. Yeah. Like, yeah. I literally can't tell yeah. you the last yeah. time. Maybe, maybe, yeah, during when I was playing football or something, yeah. you know, but um, yeah, like you don't actually, the, the, and, and there's definitely a running culture, right? Like totally. Nike run and all this stuff. And, and that's great. It's also really hard on your knees, yeah. at least for me. For sure. um, and the heavier you are, you know, the more force you're putting on your joints mm-hmm. and, and your knees will kind of suffer. But you don't have to go and run five miles. You don't have to feel like you got to run five miles to, to have good cardio or to be in shape. You can do a hit workout. You can do things that are shorter. Well, that's the thing. It's like, what do you enjoy doing? A lot of people think that you have to do certain things to yield certain results, but it's like, if you hate running, you don't need to run. There are plenty of other things that you can do. But if you do enjoy running, if it's like a huge mental release for you, then that's amazing. Yeah. Do it. You know, so there's there's not necessarily a right or wrong, but it's understanding what is my goal, what are my options to get towards my goal, and then what do I enjoy doing that are gonna allow me to stay consistent. That's an important point too, and I'm sure that's probably the number one factor that you find is like if you enjoy it, you're gonna keep doing yes, it. Yes, and that's the most important thing. Move your body often, and if you enjoy it, you're gonna do it more often. Yeah. Well, what do you think about CrossFit? I've done CrossFit before. I did it for about two years and gosh, that's a, that's a loaded question, man. It's a loaded question (laughs) and I'm so excited to hear your opinion (laughs) on it. But what CrossFit has done really well is, is created a community of people who stay active and are so bought in. And I think that that is incredibly admirable. That's hard to do. They've created this sport from nothing. And in a few years it's, you know, taking over the world, basically. I think that if you have a good coach who understands that everyone has different needs and understands how to scale and teach form and modify, it can be helpful for people and empowering. It's, you know, I didn't know how to do pull-ups when I first started CrossFit. And so when I was doing CrossFit, I, I did gain some strength to allow me to be able to start, you know, doing some a little bit of kipping, things like that. And I, I don't do kipping pull-ups now, but it's the kind of thing where it's like that gave me the confidence to know, oh my gosh, I can get my chin over the bar. That's pretty cool, you know? So for me, I I wouldn't suggest CrossFit for an average person who maybe isn't uh, trying to do some really competitive things. I think that there are a lot more uh, less uh, intense ways to do that. Uh, But some people enjoy it. And again, it's like if you if you love it and you understand that your shoulders are going to be hurting all the time. (laughs) Then, uh, yeah, to each their own. That's funny. I I literally have the exact almost verbatim opinion on it. Really? Okay, cool. Did you do it before? I've done it before. I've done it a handful of times. Um, a lot of my friends are super into it. And so, uh, whenever I'm hanging out with them or we're going on a trip, we always end up doing some sort of CrossFit workout, which no problem. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You crush it. Those overhead squats and the bar over burpees. No problem. (laughs) Yeah. And then we're going to go do a mile run afterward. Whatever. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, CrossFit, it, it is one of those things. I, the most impressive thing with CrossFit for me is the first thing that you just said, which was they took this idea of just working out, right? Mm-hmm. And they just built an entire crazy community around it. And, and even within the gyms, there's like a little mini competition every yes. time you go oh my in. Gosh, They're totally. keeping boards with how much, how many reps you're doing and all this stuff, um, which, which keeps people going and keeps people locked in. I can't think of another fitness movement, a fitness company that has been able to just grow that quickly and create a sport and do that whole thing in such a short amount of time. So insanely impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, But the workouts are fucking brutal. Oh my gosh. Like you're going to injure yourself. If you're not already strong, 
you're for sure going to injure yourself. And if you're already strong, you're also probably going to do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, they're super intense. My body hurt all the time when I was doing it. But, you know, again, they, they also it, it depends on your coaching. It depends on right. like the programming. It, it is totally different across, you know, gym to gym or box to box, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it just really depends. Box to box or in the in the CrossFit world. Are you not supposed to say gym? I don't know, but I, I just always hear them saying box. Yeah, so I too. feel like that's the accurate thing. Yeah. I feel like if you, if you say gym, they're just kind of look at you like you're a white belt, like yeah, pedestrian yeah. over yeah. here coming to the gym. You know? <laughs> they're not a part of this. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Clearly you're not a CrossFit athlete. <laughs> so true. <laughs> the CrossFit. Have you ever done any of the CrossFit like game, like miniature games and that whole, that whole thing? No, I, I never did any of the competitions I yeah when I was doing it I wasn't as strong as I probably am now and also I'm almost six feet tall and so I think to be good at CrossFit you probably need to be in the like five foot two range (laughs) so I've got about a foot too much (laughs) yeah it's gonna be problematic yeah yeah I guess now that I think about it like the Jason Kalipas or that's the guy's name probably butchering his name terrible names that's right Um, yeah he's the only guy that I know um I feel like they are pretty short yeah I mean there there are certain things like the rower where being tall you have an advantage but that's probably the only event that you would right yeah most of them it you just have a long way to pull a long way to push and so it's a little bit more challenging to to compete yeah that is interesting it's an interesting thing sort of your your body type Mm -hmm. and proportions in in any litany of of exercise activities or fitness competitions or or sports like in jujitsu being really long and lanky like being six foot tall as a female like you're going to be wrapping people up in chokes that like other people aren't even going to be able to do Mm -hmm. just because your limbs are that much longer Mm -hmm. you know yeah Yeah. it's Um, it's so interesting how it it does make a difference for sure yeah and you know i'll i'll get a lot of people coming to me and being like i'm scared to lift weights i don't want to get bulky and blah 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 like a crossfit athlete it's like Okay. You're going to need some steroids for that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the volume of, you know, training that the, the top competitors are doing, I mean, it's, it's, they're professional athletes. They're, they're doing so much more than just going to one class a day. And so, I mean, that's just a huge thing where it's like, and, and who knows if, you know, certain people are yeah. using steroids. I don't Allegedly. know. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> um, I haven't asked any of them personally, but but anyway, it's that's a huge misconception. Is like if I do CrossFit, I'm going to look like that. And it's like, well, it's not necessarily true. And like I'm, like I said, almost six feet tall, and that's just almost physically impossible for that to happen to my body type. Right. Yeah. Different types of bodies. Yeah. Right. Um, I guess you'd be an ectomorph. Yes. Right. Yeah. I am. <laughs> um, yeah. It's interesting. Like the the perception and, and I had an ex-girlfriend of mine and, and I've heard other girls say this is that they are scared to get bulky yes just by doing like any kind of exercise yes. even a hit routine like oh I don't want to get bulky mm-hmm. but it's like that is just not gonna it's it's, it's hard okay. to do it's, one thing is like okay if it were that easy to put on muscle you'd see a lot more ripped guys walking around exactly you know what I mean? right. it, it's hard it takes a lot of hard work it takes a lot of consistency um and so I think that's a huge misconception. It's it's going to help you look more lean and toned and be stronger in general. It's going to boost your metabolism because you're going to have more muscle, um, all those things. And it's just really interesting. A lot of women fear that. I actually got a message this morning on Instagram from a girl who was like, do you wear dresses? I'm scared to... I'm scared to start lifting weights because I'm afraid that I'm going to get bulky and my arms are going to be like <sighs> muscular and I, I can't wear dresses. Like yes, I do wear dresses and I, I flex in the mirror before I head out for the day. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's first of all, there's so many layers to this conversation, right? Yeah. Like it shouldn't matter what your arms look like to be able to wear a dress. Anyone can wear one if you want to, but also the, the training aspect, like it's very hard to put on muscle, so you shouldn't fear it. Yeah. I mean to get, get just jacked, like yeah. where your arms are popping out of your dress is so <laughs> hard to it do is. and so unlikely you'll be able to achieve it even if you're trying yes it's gonna so take many, a lot of yes, work it really does yeah. yeah that's actually a good point you'd see a way more jacked guys running around if it was yeah, so easy right, right? yeah it, and it's like 
just not the case. So yeah, <laughs> it must be a little bit harder than people think. I think so. I think, <laughs> think there's something to that. Do you, do you um, sort of experience any sort of, uh, you know, in, in your fitness lane, like what are, what, what kind of is in there, right? So you have all these different, so you have bodybuilding over here, you have sort of martial arts over there, you have your big four sports over here, you have your Pilates and your spin and your endurance and your hit and, and that whole thing. Um, do you typically just focus on the hit element itself in, in terms of sort of teaching people how to get fit and, and that whole thing? Um, and is there anything else sort of around that community that's that's sort of ancillarily related? So strength training, we also teach a lot of that. We had uh, not this challenge that we're currently in, but our previous challenge, we called it Strong 45 and it incorporated dumbbells and it was really amazing to help. Uh, we had mostly women, like 99% women in that challenge and just so many empowering transformations from people who were able to lift so much more than they thought that they ever could and the body transformations because of that were incredible. So wow. strength training is a big piece of you know, what we do as well. It's mostly around hit, but we also incorporate strength training as, as an option for people. And that's what I do in my personal, uh, training as well. So on my personal page, I do that. Do you, uh, what's your theory on PRs? Like, like one rep max. That, yeah. That kind one of stuff. rep max. And so like I personally don't like to do that. I just don't like to feel that type of sensation. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go like three to five every once in a while. I think it's cool to test like, wow, I have improved this much, but I'm, I'm not a huge like one rep max kind of person. I think that's wise actually. Yeah. <clears throat> it reminds me of the macros conversation yes. a little bit. Yeah. It's like you get obsessed with that one number. Totally. Guilty as charged of keeping track of the PRs. Yes. Especially I was at one point I was just trying to bench press as much as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'm just keeping track of it and keeping track of it. And then I'm at 420 pounds wow. and I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. Yeah. And then you injure your shoulder. Totally. Well, and that's the thing. It's like I think it's progressive overload is super important to be able to continue to see progress, right? But you don't necessarily have to only do that with one rep maxes. You could do it with three to five. You could do it with ten reps, yeah. you know, and just try to improve your ten rep max. And that's a probably going to be a little bit safer than someone who's, you know, trying to do a thousand pound deadlift or something. <laughs> just a little bit safer. <laughs> Slightly safer. Yeah. There's also some calculators that I found where if you want to get your one rep max equivalent, you can go in and be like, oh, I did seven reps of whatever, which yeah. would equal this one rep max. Yes. And again, it comes back to goals. Like if your goal is to do, you know, crazy powerlifting and stuff, go for it. But just understand that there might be consequences to that. But just for the average everyday person, I think there are a lot of other ways you can do it. Right, right. And so you have all this vast fitness knowledge, you and Dennis, and, and how did you think about sort of building out the business mm -hmm. end of it and, you know, going online and, and sort of taking this sort of fitness training in real life and, and putting it into the digital sphere mm -hmm. and everything that came along with that? Like, what, what's the build out like? Or, you know, yeah, yeah, I got a WordPress site with mm -hmm. all the plugins and the things and the, yeah what, yeah, what are the nuts and bolts of what that looks like on the back end? Well, it's gone through so many iterations. And one of the really cool things uh, that I admire about Dennis is that he has really dove into all the technical aspects of the business and learned everything from the ground up. And so when in, in 2013, he quit his job and I was still working uh, to kind of pay the bills so that he could learn how to do all this back end stuff. So he learned how to build websites and do the advertising and like all that kind of stuff. So it was really, really cool for him to, to do that, dive all in. And from there, uh, it just kind of evolved. So now we, <clears throat> our pages are built on WordPress, excuse me. <clears throat> our pages are built on WordPress. Dennis, uh, build out all of our pages, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have an app. So we, we work with a company that helps us with that as well. And wow. it's kind of the nuts and bolts. Yeah, building out the app is crazy. Even WordPress in itself is, you know, for anybody listening that wants to build a website, like if you're trying to build a, a WordPress site, it is mm, difficult to yes. do. And there's problems and plugins and updates and all kinds of crazy shit. I've built a bunch of them. But if you have that type of information product, that's the only platform that really exists that, that you can squeeze the much the, as much value out of. Totally. And that's the thing. We we bootstrapped everything, right? Like we, yeah. we just kind of figured out so awesome. all of it along the way. And so, you know, we, we didn't put as much focus on the, the looks of stuff. It was more like, OK, is this 
are these plugins talking to each other so that we can make a sale, you know, that right. kind of stuff. And just figuring out like, how do we make a connection with our audience? And so I think that that's something that we've done well is figuring out like, who are we? What is our voice? How do we bring people into our world and provide them with services that are really going to transform their lives? And so, so we like to say, Dennis brings the people to me and then I, I teach them and coach them and encourage them into their best life. Look at that one, two punch right, right. there. Cat, cat. Feeling real lucky. <laughs> right. Bink, bink. One, two punch knockout right there. Yes. That's awesome. And so, you know, you're talking about sort of getting them into the sales funnel and then sort of hooking them into and, and getting into the content. What, um, what types of things in terms of content do you find to be the most valuable? You know, is it just sort of variable depending on the day and the time of the year and, and that kind of thing? Or is there sort of one message that uh, or a set of messages that you think, hey, these are the ones that are going to provide the most value and connect with people the most? Gosh, uh, so many elements of that. So as far as like product offerings, I think the challenges are the most beneficial because there's really an element of we get to interact with all the people individually. And that's a challenge that a lot of people have with going from in-person training to online training is how do you really create that connection and teach without being in person with them? So our Mm -hmm. challenges are really beneficial in the sense that we, we give workouts that can be scaled or made more progressed if you're more advanced. Um, so we've figured out ways to program workouts that allow for a variety of fitness levels. Uh, the nutrition can be catered to people no matter what their goal may be. And we've figured out processes that help people do that on their own so they're empowered to make those choices for themselves. Wow. And then we also provide a community. So people are in the group posting all the time. I do live coaching videos, that kind of stuff where we can actually help like shepherd them into uh, a better life because we're there being able to connect with them individually. Interesting. And is this something where, is it a a Facebook group or a private forum or? Yeah, it's a private Facebook group. There you go. Private Mm -hmm. Facebook group. Interesting. Yeah. It's funny how Facebook has sort of morphed into the private Facebook groups all of a sudden. It is. And you know, it's, we, we've tried different forums. We've tried so many things, but (laughs) Facebook, Pretty much everybody's on Facebook and that's a really low barrier way to really get people involved. It's it's hard to get someone to go somewhere else and sign up for something new and all that kind of stuff. So Facebook is something that has been a really uh, low barrier thing for people to join. Right. Yeah, that is interesting. Like trying to get somebody to sign up to your own private, you know, it's forum hard. somewhere. Yeah, dude. Because they already, have, they already have the Facebook app on their phone and they go to that, you know, frequently. And so it's, it's a really easy way to build community. Yeah. And how is the app build out like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we worked with the company company called VidApp. Uh, they're awesome. So they they helped us with the overall structure and then we were able to customize everything and it's it's worked really well. It's very easy for us to manage on the back end because we, we got some quotes to build an app from the ground up that were hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to do the things that we wanted to do. And so when when we were starting, I mean, there's so many fitness apps out there, right? So it's like Everything in what we've learned in our online world, you know, creating 100 ebooks in the past, like everything is a test. And in the online world, things change so quickly. So before you get this idea that is the idea, you have to test it. So we're not going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on an app that people might hate. Mm. So so that's where VidApp came into play. And we're like, we have this idea for this type of functionality. Can you do it? They said yes. And so it was a really great low barrier way for us to be able to get an app out there. And it's been a really great process. That's actually a great point, you know, just because you think your idea is awesome doesn't mean that the market thinks your idea is awesome. Yeah. Oh, totally. And and that's the thing. We've learned so many times, <laughs> so many times that what we think, you know, sometimes it's a grand slam, right? But yeah. sometimes it's a flop. Oh, yeah. And so you, you have to test the idea before you spend tons of time. I mean, I know so many people who have spent a year on their ebook and then they launch it and it's like, oh, oh. people don't want it. Well, maybe the name needs changing or maybe the messaging around it needs changing or maybe the whole program is a package that people don't want or already have. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you can't assume that people want something just because you put it together. Right. That's an important point. I think a lot of people when they're thinking about a product or a service or something, they're like, yeah, but it but it seems awesome to me. Yeah. Like, okay, good. Step one check yes. right yeah and then and you then, have to yeah. maybe ask a couple friends and then you have to ask the market yes you know what they think what's uh what's um putting you on the spot what's what's a good example of like uh a grand slam and then a flop 
A Grand Slam would be our Strong 45 challenge. That was something that I was was just really near and dear to my heart because I believe in those types of workouts. It's the type of workouts that I do and I know the power of them and how many people need them. And we knew that our audience was asking for the workout, the types of workouts that I do and that um, the coaches on our team do, all that kind of stuff. And just women need more strength training in general. So we were super pumped on it and it did really well. And so I was really excited about that. Um, I watched a lot of that content. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah you probably couldn't get rid of us with all the ads. Definitely not, but yeah. it was also like really well done. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, and then gosh, uh, we, we've had a lot of flops along the way. I mean, I can't, I'm trying to think of what even the name was, um, back in the day we were, it was when we first went, like started traveling. I just joined Dennis and we spent, we spent, all of this time on this product and we had this huge goal and we put it out there and it sold like 10 oh. <laughs> and we were so <laughs> bummed because we thought this was going to be it it was going to be the one we were, we were sitting in spain and we we launched it we sent out the first email and it just did just crickets just you know nothing. but that happens and, it, and that's the thing when you go online you have to be okay with that. Not yeah. everything is going to be perfect and nothing will ever be completely perfect. And so it's like getting stuff out there and then you make tweaks along the way according to what people want and everything is a test. Yeah, it's interesting because testing, it does two things, right? One, it validates your idea or mm-hmm. not. And then also it helps you produce something that is even better for whoever it's going to be right. for in the end, in the right. end consumer, right? Yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's so easy to test now. It is. And that's that's the cool thing about social media. It's like, from from one post on Instagram or on Facebook or an email, you can so easily see if people resonate with it or not. Right, right. And do you find that Facebook or email, like, where do people engage with with you guys the most in, in the various different businesses? Gosh, uh, well, for our fitness businesses, email has been huge. Facebook has been huge. And then Instagram is kind of like third in line. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then for my personal brand, I don't really sell that much stuff yet. So Instagram is really like my only uh, channel. And then I'll do some email stuff too, but I'm kind of just getting all of my products finished and all that kind of stuff. So Instagram is basically just a place where I can connect with people right now. Right. So you're working on some additional products, yes. top secret product stuff, top secret, top secret product <laughs> stuff. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I, I started the Daily Kelsey just a little over a year ago because I wanted what? to. Yeah. Over, yeah. Just over a year ago. Yeah. What the fuck? That's crazy. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's cool. Like it's been, you know, I have these other channels that I can cross promote and everything which sure. has been a huge piece and then I've just done a lot of collaborations and um, gotten some features which I've been really thankful for yeah. to help be able to grow but I, I think that what has been really helpful is that pe- it's a message that people need and where they don't feel judged and so I think that that's been helpful too I think so too yeah it's it's interesting you know oh. I got something funny to tell you. Ooh, I'm excited. So, so I was on, uh, I don't know where, I think I was on Twitter or something like that. So I click on this article yeah. and it takes me to Fox News and there's a fucking picture of you <laughs> on the fucking thing that I remember. It was something about, I'm sure you know what it is, maybe body shaming or yes. something. So, yeah, something like that. Um, and maybe you can tell the story w- with what that was, but I, I see your face I'm like, what the fuck? Like all of a sudden you just on the Fox news, like news page. I don't know how that happened, but it was kind of funny. And yeah, it's funny because, uh, that was a feature from shape magazine that got, um, picked up by Fox. And, uh, the comments on that were, hilarious because they (laughs) were so mean i mean it's so funny because oh my goodness the whole article was about basically how someone body shamed me through comments and that happens all the time and so basically what i do on the daily kelsey is i will you know not all my posts but sometimes i'll I'll take these comments that i get and turn it into teaching topics because (laughs) it's so important because it's it's easy to be like oh y'all this guy's an idiot like look what he said but think about the meaning behind it and how many people have these thoughts about other people, how many people have these thoughts about themselves and, and their bodies and that kind of stuff. So I try to twist it into something that's positive. Oh, so that is brilliant. That, that's the article that they did. And then Fox reposted it. And then all these people were body shaming me on the comments of that Fox post, which was 
just ironic. <laughs> it was just funny. That's um, hilarious. But it's it's great. It's great. Like I don't that stuff doesn't bother me anymore because oh, it's it's just gonna happen. It comes with the territory, right? And I've I've learned how to spin it to create something positive out of it. That's so. such a brilliant way to do it too. You oh, take one you of the take one of the shit posters yes. comments and then you just spin it into like a positive lesson to teach people about whatever it is they're hating on. Yes, for. yeah, that one specifically was. Uh, it was just a photo of me just being me, right? And and the person was like, no boobs, not sexy, or something like that. <laughs> or and she was like, no boobs, um, like where did they go? And I, my response to her was, you should probably stop looking for them because they were never there to oh, begin yeah. with, you know? So it's just like something stupid like that. But it's, it's, you know, that stuff happens all the time. And I think that a lot of people fear that. They fear that criticism. It's like, well it's going to happen. So you have to develop a little bit of a thick skin, but also understand the perspective. Like, you know, Joe sitting in his underwear on the couch, like who cares what he thinks, you know? And, and also like, think about what he probably is thinking about himself. He's probably not feeling that great about himself. And so he feels like he has to tell me that, he doesn't like something about me to be able to feel better. Was how I envision Joe. I envision Joe on a couch somewhere yeah. down somewhere. Yes, and he's got he's got a wife beater on. He's yep. got the, he's got just you know flaming hot Cheeto stains all over himself with the twenty four pack of Bush Light. It's, it's <laughs> that, a definite possibility. It's yeah. a definite possibility. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not that's who that person is, that's who every person like that <laughs> yes. is in my mind. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's oh. crazy. So the so the Fox News comments themselves were also shit posting comments yes they were so no, fucking and some of it was about my body insane. some of it was about like the idea of an influencer and it's like what are you influencing and things like that where it's mm. like okay yeah you're old yeah <laughs> <laughs> which you know it's like people obviously have can have whatever opinion they want but it's like read the article man like i i promise <laughs> it's it's not just yeah They're like what but what's an influence you yeah what is your stuff yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's just a it's an interesting landscape that we live in where where people think that they can say anything because it's the internet and mm-hmm. it's just going to be really interesting to see how that affects people you know five ten twenty years on their own yeah i wonder how it'll change you know because if you so if you came up to me and just started spitting hate in my face mm-hmm. um i'm probably gonna meet you with some pretty calm attitude and smile sure. and be like hey relax you know um yep because i don't have anything to prove and i don't want to hurt them right but if they get like aggressive like sometimes those comments get aggressive then you're gonna get choked unconscious probably will mm-hmm. be the end result right sure but on the internet, there's no force function of any of that. Mm-hmm. And so I think because of that, of course, people, you know, they, they open their mouths and say things that they would never actually say to anybody's face. And so I don't know if that's like an acute short term problem just because it's so new and people just kind of don't know how to handle it as, mm-hmm. as human animals, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that will eventually change once we're kind of accustomed and, and sort of systematized into the digital ecosystem that we're living in. Yeah, I don't know. But that's why I try to take the spin that I do instead of like lashing back because yeah. it's like at first I was like, Oh man, why did you say that? Like that's, being so mean. Yeah. <laughs> but it's 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 really an opportunity because it's not necessarily gonna go away unless if people show that there is another way. And it so that's kind of why I try to take the approach that I do. Right, right. Yeah, that's, and I get uh, some of it as well, you know, a little yeah. bit of inbound here and there. Yes. Um, but that's also what I meet it with is just, I, I see it as just the, you know, the, like this person needs to be loved. Yes. That's what I tell myself. I'm like, oh, you just need some love, buddy. For okay. sure. You for know. sure. Yeah. And sometimes people are just mean to be mean. And then it's like, okay, bro, like, yeah. see you later. Yeah. Here's Block. some more love, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I use the block button yeah. probably more often than most. I mean, why not? It <laughs> yeah. doesn't, yeah, it might a, as well. It's a great tool. Yeah. Yeah. There was, um, you know, I, I hunt for, for meat and to eat, of course, and um, I had made a hunting post about just the way that national parks are funded, mm. which had nothing to do with hunting itself, but it was like, you know, the, the billions and billions of dollars primarily comes from from taxing hunting, right, mm. is, is how you have Yellowstone in these places. Yeah. And, um, I just thought it was a really fascinating yeah. thing. And I just researched, I'm like, wow, this is really crazy. So I put all the numbers up. And the amount of crazy vegan hate, like my comments turned into a war zone of like truck drivers and, you know, ethical vegans and just regular humans. (laughs) I had to turn them up the comments. Yeah. That, and that's the problem is like so many things there's, there's nuance and and underlying things that people don't know about. And, you know, someone will watch one documentary and think that they fully understand every single aspect and every single angle of everything. Yeah. There's so much 
there's so much more to it. That's you know? true. Yeah, it's so that's, that's such an interesting way that you handle that is like making a video learning lesson about the comments. That's such a brilliant, brilliant idea. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it really is. You know, just trying to, to figure it out along the way. That's yeah, all it is. <laughs> it really is, though. Yeah, it's, it's it's all about staying positive, I think. Yeah, And totally. you do a great job of that. Even all of the videos that I watch of you, you're always just smiling and, and like, positive and delivering that message in such a good way. Um, and, and, and so kudos to you. Um, and so if people want to follow you or buy some things or get fit or be awesome where do they go and how do they do all that stuff <laughs> yeah so my personal instagram is called the daily kelsey k-e-l-s-e-y and that's where i you can find most of my regular posts and you know the things that i like the mean comments the <laughs> come back to that or just a lot of relationship with food and exercise stuff i do give workout ideas on there and just the fun stuff you, you'll probably see my wiener dog on there too um and then my my fitness business um the one we merged in January, so the overall name is Hitmax. So we have a Hitmax Instagram, we have a Hitburn Instagram, and that's where you're going to see a lot of the exercise ideas and stuff like that. And then we also have an app called Hitmax, so you can Hit find Max that app. Yeah, you can find that in the App Store. And so that's Apple App Store, Google Play Store, yes. both. Both. Boom! Look at you, Android users out there. We're not right. leaving you yeah. hanging. <laughs> we want everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there a website that you can go to as well? Uh, you can go to Hitmax.com right now because my daily Kelsey one is. In progress. In progress. More to come from Daily Kelsey. TheDailyKelsey.com? TheDailyKelsey. TheDailyKelsey.com is going to have all kinds of cool products. And until then, you got to go to the other places. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. It was really, really awesome. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Oh, we did it. (laughs) Hey, if you like the show, press subscribe. You're already in the podcast app. What are we waiting for, people? Um, No, I truly enjoy uh, seeing that people actually listen to this thing all over the world. And if you are one of those people, don't be shy. And if you have any questions for me or just want to say what up, uh, slide into my DMs at Ingersoll, N-I-K, at I-N-G-E-R-S-O-L-L-N-I-K. I I can be reached there. I will get back to you with a friendly message in return. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Kelsey was awesome. Um, I just geek out on this kind of stuff all the time. So if you'd like to hear more health fitness episodes also let me know that and if you really do like the podcast feel free to share it with your mom or your grandmom or your aunt or your uncle or your little brother your little sister or your dog uh, because they won't know what i am saying uh anyway uh i hope you enjoy, hope you enjoyed blah, 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 marbles in my mouth i hope you enjoyed this episode of the show and until next time i'll chat at you then peace